tell you is that in none of these ways am I going to tell you how to get rich. And I know that's going to be like a bummer, but actually what I will tell you is if you do these five keys, you will be rich in the most holistic way of looking at what wealth really is. Because when we think of being rich, we always think of materially wealthy. And really, riches in God's kingdom is a heavenly riches that makes you holistically wealthy. In today's message, Pastor Daniel will give you five keys to financial freedom. These aren't intended to make you rich. They're simply biblical principles that will help you fully embrace the resources God has entrusted you with. As you listen today, let God nudge your heart and reveal the areas you may need to consult Him in as it pertains to finances, and then be willing to make changes that will benefit you and have an impact in the kingdom. Now, here's Pastor Daniel as he begins his message, Five Keys to Financial Freedom. So I'm excited to kick off a brand new series with you as we look at something that we all need to look at because it's a part of our life. We're doing this series called Free because as it relates to our personal finances, for most people, we don't feel free at all. We feel burdened and we feel kind of weighed down. Statistically speaking, in the West, a person's finances is one of the greatest areas of stress in their life. You know, And so what For me, as I think about what we're doing and what we're going to embark on, I'm reminded that when Lynn and I, we were pretty newly married. So we had gotten married, and 10 months later after we got married, we had our son Obadiah, or I think it was 11 months later. So we got like we got married, uh, Lynn got pregnant, and then we turned over uh, the church that I was pastoring on the East Coast, and we moved to the West Coast. And I remember once we got to the West Coast, I was starting to, to plant another church, and I remember I started thinking about the responsibility that I had as a husband and as a dad. I started thinking about that that role of the provider. And I remember one day I was sitting there and I was just pondering this and I realized that if I were to get hit by a bus that day that my wife and my son would have been in a really bad situation. And I knew that was the case because I didn't have, we were in credit card debt and we didn't have any money in savings. And I thought to myself, and that first I thought was if something happened to me, they'd be in a bad way. And then I thought, well, Jesus will take care of them. And then I felt like, well, Jesus said, well, actually, I want you to take care of them for me. And I was very challenged by that. Because I think sometimes what we do outside of the church, we are so focused on finances and we look at the finances from a a certain perspective. And then within the church, we were like, well, we don't want to think about that. Jesus is going to take care of everybody. But the thing is, if you read in the scriptures, Jesus uses people to take care of people. God uses people. You know, and so what happened was, is for me, it began a journey of, you know, I'm not actually doing a good job in this area of my life. And I had to start to learn in this area of my life. And so you fast forward a number of years, and this happened about a year ago. I was talking with one of our pastors on staff, and he started asking me about, you know, kind of principles 
by which to live your life in Christ as it relates to your finances. And I just kind of like rattled off a bunch of things. And he started laughing and he was scribbling really fast. He's like, you know, you talk about this like everybody knows this. And I don't think a lot of people know this. So you should probably tell all of our pastors this. And so, you know, in one of our pastors meeting, I sat down and I shared all the same things with all of our pastors. And then our pastors were like, hey, you should share this with the entire staff. You know, and then sure enough, at a staff meeting, I shared it with the entire staff. And then everyone's like, um, we should probably tell this to the church as well. And I was like, okay. And so in a lot of ways, in 2018, as we're ending this year now, it's we called it a year of deepening. We had these three areas of focus, right? We've had an area of focus on prayer and fasting because we want to grow in our relationship with God. We have put a focus on being in small groups. And so many of you here at Crossroads are in small groups now. We want all of We want more people in small groups at Crossroads than come to Crossroads on a weekend service. That's our goal. We want everyone in small groups. And then the third focus was generosity. You know, and for me, when we talk about generosity, I don't only ever want to talk about it in the context of finances because for me, the reason generosity is so important in the body of Christ is because, really, God is the most generous person you'll ever meet. Hands down. God is the most generous person you'll ever meet. I mean, just the simple gospel message that God gave his own son, Jesus, to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins, that's the most radical act of generosity. And the Christian faith following Jesus is literally God transforming us to be more like Jesus. So if God is the most generous person that we've ever met, then really God's people should be the most generous people we ever meet because God is transforming us to be more and more like him. And so when I start thinking about that, I start getting very challenged because I realize that although we live in one of the most prosperous times in one of the most prosperous countries that ever lived, generosity is not really a strong suit of our culture at all and then it makes its way into the body of christ and then what you have is you have the people of god who follow jesus who is the most generous person who ever lived but yet we don't reflect his generosity and what i've realized as a pastor in talking to lots of people about these things is that for a lot of god's people it's not that they're not generous because they don't want to be they're not generous because they can't be because of previous mistakes that they've made And so I want to give you today what I'm calling five keys to financial freedom. And really, this is what you would consider, I would consider what you call a topical message. Now, what I'm going to tell you is that in none of these ways am I going to tell you how to get rich. And I know that's going to be like a bummer, but actually what I will tell you is if you do these five keys, you will be rich in the most holistic way of looking at what wealth really is. Because when we think of being rich, we always think of materially wealthy. And really, riches in God's kingdom is a heavenly riches that makes you holistically wealthy. And so I want to give you these principles, things that I've learned over the years, things that for me, I wish someone would have told me. And I realize that for each one of us, we're on different steps of that journey. But realistically, if you're alive, you have to deal with your finances, Right? It's just part of your life. So whether you're young or you're old, whether you're on a fixed income in the last number of laps of life, or if you're like, hey, I'm just getting going here, you can apply these principles. And these are things that I teach to my kids. Me and my kids talk about this. Because I want to make sure that they have a vision for this part of their life. So I'll start with the first step. It's this, is that money is an outlet of spiritual power. You have to realize that money is an outlet 
of spiritual power. Now you might say, really? Yes. It's absolutely a vehicle of spiritual power. Here's why. Because according to the scriptures, none of us are owners of the resources we have. We are all stewards of resources. The earth is the Lord's in all of its fullness. There's nothing that you have within your checkbook or within your resources that are actually yours. They're God's and he has entrusted them to us to steward them. And so the way that we go at our finances, when you begin to realize that you're a steward of God's resources, you begin to realize that it is absolutely an outlet of spiritual power. I mean, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, speaking of finances, he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Mammon was the deification of money in that culture. And so the idea is, is that if you live your life serving money, you can't live your life serving God. Because you can't serve two masters. You have to choose one or the other. Now, I realize, and, and it's funny, we were praying before our service, and somebody prayed, you know, when we talk about generosity, sometimes it feels like you're getting poked in the eye, you know? And I realize that when I say something like that, it's such a challenging statement, because Jesus said that, and we follow him, but then right away you think to yourself, okay, so am I serving money, or am I serving Jesus? And I'm allowing Jesus to direct the resources entrusted to me. And I think, unfortunately, for a lot of us, We serve money. Our lives are lived seeking, what do we do with this money? How can I spend this? And we live in a culture, really everything right now is about all of these stores making their year-end numbers. So all the sales, it's like, you know, and even the research on the amount of debt that is accumulated in the Christmas season. And everything's driven towards that end. But when you begin to realize that all the resources you have, God has entrusted to you so that you can be a vehicle or an outlet of spiritual power into the world. Like, here's the thing. You find out that there's somebody who needs food. Do you realize that you have resources that can help that situation? When you hear about some situation with someone you know or someone you don't know, and all of a sudden you say to yourself, man, if I was in that situation, if I applied the golden rule to the situation, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, then you say to yourself, oh, can I be involved in that? See, the Bible teaches that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the Apostle Paul quoting Jesus said that you're more blessed to what? Give, then receive. But the ethics of our culture is actually, I'm here to receive. I'm here to get. Right? And what happens is, as followers of Jesus, when we get stuck into the, it's about me getting, I need more, and we're never thinking, actually, all of these resources are an outlet of spiritual power, then all of a sudden, when you neglect that, you actually neglect the whole side of the life that God would have you live. Did you ever notice that in almost all of the epistles of the Apostle Paul, Paul is raising money for the work of the ministry of the church? I mean, do you realize we're studying here at Crossroads on Sunday, the book of Romans, and you realize that the book of Romans is actually a support letter. 
The Apostle Paul had never been to the church in Rome. He didn't start it, but he was hoping to get there. And he was trying to raise support for the ministry he was doing. You realize that King David, he wanted to build a temple for the Lord, but he wasn't allowed to, but he had tremendous resources, and he actually funded the project. I could do this all day long, give you all these different examples when you start to realize that your resources are an outlet of spiritual power. But for what I believe that happens for most of us is that we forget that simple premise, that the resources I have, this is a vehicle for the power of Jesus to touch down into the world. And when you start to begin to realize that, when you begin to realize that actually this is part of my worship, these resources are how I worship God, then all of a sudden it changes. And so I want to first, my first encouragement is I want you to start to pray, Lord, can you show me how money is an outlet of spiritual power? Show me how the resources that you have entrusted to me can be used to grow your kingdom. Lord, will you show me how I should view the resources that you have placed in my hands? Now, I realize when I say something that almost the immediate heart response is, oh, well, Fusco, maybe for you, but you don't know my financial situation, right? That's how it goes. It's like, it's automatically like, yes, but not me. And I'm here to tell you, yes, and you too. God wants you to, all of us to be involved in this. So the first step is to acknowledge and come to terms with the fact that we're all stewards. The money that you have is God's, and he wants you to invest it into this world. Now, second, I think the key to financial freedom is to realize that a budget is a vision document. A budget is a vision document. Let me explain this to you. A budget is simply what somebody does when you look at how much money do I have coming in and then how much money do I have going out. But for most of us, we don't budget. We just account for this is how much comes in and this is how much goes out, right? And I'm telling you, that's not a budget. That's just accounting for what you're spending. A budget is a document of vision. When you look at your finances and you have a vision for your finances. Remember I always tell you that if you don't have a vision for your own life, someone else will. Right? And I always say that God has an amazing vision for your life and so does the enemy. Right? God has a wonderful plan for your life. And Satan has a terrible plan for your life. Now here's the thing. If you don't have a vision for your money, somebody else will. And marketing is a multi-billion dollar industry to give you a vision for your money. So really what you have is that for each one of us, we need to have a budget. Now, again, budgeting is not, this is how much money comes in and this is how much I spend. That's accounting. A budget is saying, this is what I believe God wants me to do with these resources. Does that make sense? And so we're going to talk a little bit about budgeting and there's I mean, obviously, in this message, I'm not going to be able to give you all the details. So there's great resources online. But you have to realize is that you have to set a budget, right? And then you have to try and live by the budget. And then you have to actually look to see, how am I doing based on the budget? Does that make sense? So it's just like with life. It's like, if you have a vision, like, I hope that as you're saying, this is how I want to grow spiritually, right? Now, if you say that, then you say, in order to grow spiritually in the coming year, I'm going to do what? You start listing a bunch of things that you're going to do, right? And then once you get like four weeks into the month, you have to say, am I doing the things that I'm trying to do? Does that make sense? So as it relates to a budget, first you need to have a vision for the resources that God has given you. And then you need to 
actually try and live into that vision. And you actually have to make sure that you're doing the things that you're trying to do. It's kind of like with your New Year's resolutions, right? Like you have the great ideas and then three days into it, you're off the rails, right? And then you have to, and for most of us, we're just like, okay, forget it, I'm off the rails. But you have to, once you set a vision, you have to come back and really look at it. Am I doing the things that I'm supposed to do? And I always think about, as it relates to vision, I think of Proverbs 29, verse 18, in the King James Bible, it says that where there is no vision, the people what? The people perish. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't have a vision for your finances, you're going to find yourself in a tough spot because there's lots of things when you don't have a vision that will keep you distracted. See, the thing I love so much about living a life of based on vision and purpose is it makes a lot of decisions for you. Like, let me give you an example. As a follower of Jesus, right, I know that God loves marriage. So when Lynn and I made the covenant before God and to each other to be married, at that point, there's a vision that that's the only girl for me for the rest of time. Just her, right? So I go into every day, I'm not like, hey, I wonder who's going to catch my eye today. Because I'm already, that decision's been made. I have a vision. That girl's going to be stuck with me for the rest of her life. We're going to grow old together. I'm going to be all like, you know, crusty, and she's still going to be cute as buttons, and she's going to have to put up with me, and we're going to be doing that together. And every time we see, like, we'll see a sweet older couple, and they're walking, holding hands, and, and I'm like, that's going to be me and you. You know what I mean? I always tell them, like, that's us in about 39 years, you know? Or especially if I see an older guy, like a grandfather with, like, a younger girl, like a granddaughter, I'm like, that's really going to be us because you're going to be young and I'm going to be old crusty, you know? And so it's like there's a vision for that. And because there's a vision for that, there's lots of things that leave the table, Right? And in the same way, in your walk with Jesus, like if you're like, as a follower of Jesus, Jesus said that a person shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? So then I think to myself, how often do I like to eat every day, all day long? Right? If I could eat every second of the day, I would. I just think it's an amazing thing that God gave us food. Right? So if that's the way that it is, then how should I be looking at God's word all day, every day? I don't just want to read the Bible in the morning in my quiet time. I want to think about it during the day. I want to have it memorized. I want to be thinking about it all day long. Because if a person should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, then I should be thinking of God's word all day long. Right? And so, again, it's a vision that you have for your life. And then you learn and you lean into that vision. And in the same way, I want to encourage you to create a budget for your finances that is based on a vision that God has given you. Now, I know someone's going to say, well, so Fusco, what's the vision? And I'm going to give you what I believe to be the single greatest piece of financial advice I ever got. And for me, this has been my vision financially for my family. And I believe it's so good that I'm just going to share it with you. And if you have your own vision, great. But if it's better than mine, I want to know about it because I would like a better vision. But I love this. So here it is. You ready? You give 10%, you save 10%, and you enjoy the rest. You give 10%, you save 10%, and you enjoy the rest. Now, let me explain that to you, because I know it's like, I love it because it's so simple, and because it's so simple, it's almost scary. So here's the thing, giving 10%. The Bible calls this the tithe. 
Now listen, some people say, Pastor Daniel, we're not under the law, we're under grace, so the tithe is old covenant. It's true. It is old covenant. But guess what? The law is God's standard for righteousness. And in the name of grace, God is going to have you be less generous than the law. Does that make sense? So at the very basis, God asked for the first fruits of his provision in our lives. So the first fruits go to the Lord. Now someone's bound to say, do we give the first fruits on the net or the gross? And I'm here to tell you, if you're squabbling for those type of nickels, then you have a bigger problem. Does that make sense? It's like, because I've heard people say, if you're not giving on the gross, then God ain't blessing that. And I'm like, well, hold on. If, if you're really squabbling with God, like, it's like, that's a heart issue. But in the, the first tenth goes to the Lord. Now, what's amazing is, is, you know, I've always loved reading business books. I've been fascinated by it. If I wasn't a pastor, I would have loved to have been uh, working as an entrepreneur in the business world. And when you read the business books, they always say you got to pay yourself first. And then they pay all your bills second. But the thing is, is that's what you say when you don't know Jesus, right? When you know Jesus, you pay God first. Because you realize all that you have is his. The only reason you got anything is because God gave it to you. The gifts that you have to make that money, that comes from God. All the ability and the talent that you have, that comes from God. Even the ability to hone a talent, to have a good job, that comes from God. Nothing you have is your own. All of it is a gift. And we return the first tenth back to him, the tithe. So you, when you take in your money, the first tenth goes to God. Then the second tenth, you have to put in reserves. Now, the reason I think reserves are so important, my friends, is because all the unexpected things should be expected. Does it make sense? Your car, it's going to break down. The things in your house, that stuff's going to break down too. And guess what? Your body, that thing's going to break down also, right? Stuff breaks in a fallen world. And a wise steward of the resources that God has given is always ready for what is inevitable, right? So when someone says, listen, I don't have enough money because my car broke down, anybody who owns a car realizes that your car breaks down. And if you're like, well, I don't want to buy a car, so I have a bike, your bike's going to break down. I've been there. I mean, I, there was a time when I was a church planner, I rode a bike. We had one car, Lynn had the car with the kids, and I rode a bike in the middle of the winter in the East Coast. And it was amazing the things that would go onto that bike. I mean, I got four bicycles stolen where we were living. That was super fun. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, there's tires or, you know, getting nails in the tires. All sorts of things. The brakes go out on it. It was crazy. I got hit by a car a couple times. You're like, that makes total sense. You know what I mean? It's like, like, that stuff just happens. So you have to expect that unexpected things should be expected. And so a wise steward says, when my income comes in, I give 10%, right? And then I save 10%. Because I'm always ready in reserves for what is inevitable things that are going to need money that I'm not prepared for. Jesus is real. In today's message, Pastor Daniel began to share five key principles for finding freedom in your finances. These included casting a vision for your future through budgeting and acknowledging that the money you have doesn't belong to you. It's God's. He's provided you with the resources you have and the ability to make money. So really, what you have isn't your own. Learning to live free financially starts there. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will continue to share the basic and powerful principles you can adopt to find yourself free from debt free to live within your means, and free to be generous toward others. By learning how to save for an unknown future, you'll find yourself less surprised when problems inevitably arise and more capable of continuing and even flourishing despite difficulties. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this message, The Five Keys to Financial Freedom. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.